Right on. Um, last week, uh, for those of you who can't remember past, uh, past an hour, um, we were preaching on light and God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And I urged and encourage you to please turn on the light um, and uh, we will, we will uh, synthesise that with today's message on salt. And um, there's a, a lot of Bible in this, uh, in this, so get your Bibles ready and your thumbs and your glasses and whatever other stuff you need. As you get older, you need more stuff, you know, um, to um, follow along. <coughs> now, I don't know what Lee Minahan was on about up here. He, he said something about a, what's this about a long and a short service? No one told me about these short services, Lee. <laughs> yeah, you thought we made them less space for you. <laughs> oh, is that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you this, folks. When I was um, when I was six years old, I was actually six once. You know, I know that's hard for some of you people to believe, but I was once six years old, and I got a boil. I got a boil um, actually on my backside, and uh, that's a very bad place to get a boil. Any place is a bad place to get a boil. And my father, who was not a doctor, my father was a welder. Um, <laughs> that's not funny. What are you laughing about? Pat, you started that. <laughs> okay. My father was a welder. And he said, now look, son. And he said, um, it's Sunday here. And um, he says, we're going to get this boil fixed. So we're going down to Summers Beach. Everybody know where that is? You're down past Hastings. Horrible place. He said, we're going down to Summers Beach and he says, we're going to put you in the water up to here and walk you back and forth and the salt in the water fix that boil. Oh, it fixed that boil all right. Um, if you've had a, a boil anywhere and you put it in salt water, the salt starts biting you and uh, it's like, oh. And so I was yelling and screaming. My father didn't cope well with complaints. Um, just, just, just get on with it, sort of thing, you know. I'm nothing like him. <clears throat> I have this very soft feminine side to me, Beth. And yeah, thank you for your affirmation. <laughs> You're the only one. Um, so, I uh, got out of the water and thankfully, uh, thankfully my, my mum said to my dad, I think he, we need, need to go to the doctor. I thought, oh, you know, that's cool. I mean, it's, you know, doctors, they do stuff, really cool stuff. So we went off to the doctor and uh, I'll never forget the first time in my life I ever heard this word. He said, we need to, you ready for it? Lance. What? What's that mean? And he went over and um, I'm looking sideways and he picked up a pair of scissors and, and the pair of scissors, big long pair of scissors, but the cutting blade's on the outside. I just wanted to go back to Summer's Beach. <laughs> Anything's better than that. Oh, boy. So I learnt that salt uh, has many uses. And we're going to find out today uh, about the salt in the Bible. For you, it's... Um, oh, hello. <laughs> oh, sorry, were you in church? Oh. I thought everybody in church turned their mobiles off. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh dear. <coughs> Where were we? Um, light. No, salt. Yeah, we're on salt. <coughs> so what I want you to do is I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 5. One verse. One verse in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 5. And it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. These people he was speaking this to would be very familiar with what he meant because salt that was, um, that was impure uh, was used to pave roads with. The only, the only good that it had. And they didn't have any, any use other than that because it wasn't salty. And we'll find out why it wasn't salty uh, in a minute as we go along. So, Father, thank you for your word and thank you, Father, for the, the, the exclamations, every word from the mouth of Christ. So important, so critical for us in our lives. Father, I pray that uh, the barriers would be down today, that your Holy Spirit would take uh, control completely over uh, this, um, these, your people, Father. And I pray, Lord, that as we, um, as we break the Word of God, the living Word of God here, Father, that, uh, that your people would embrace the message and, Father, would, would, would leave this place today determined to be salt, uh, Father, in a world that's so in need um, of, uh, uh, of um, preservation and so in need of light and so in need of Jesus Christ. So I pray, Father, that uh, this would be a, uh, a time of uh, richness together and remembrance for the saints in the, in the weeks and the months ahead. Amen. Let's uh, first of all uh, look at how salt was harvested extremely important, so important was salt in the Middle East that the Roman soldiers were often paid in salt and they would then take that, that salt and they would trade in salt for all of the stuff that they, that they, uh, that they wanted. So it was, it was a tremendously important commodity and it was a commodity in great supply. There wasn't any shortage of supply because if you know the, the, the geography of the Middle East, you have the Sea of Galilee and then, at, and then at the bottom of that is the Dead Sea and the salinity of the Dead Sea is so great you can't drown in it. You, you get in it and, and, you, and you lay down in it and you just float because of the, the density of, of, of salt uh, in, the, in the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea will <coughs> wash it up onto the shore um, and of course it rises and falls in level, washes it up onto the shore, the, the sun bakes away the, the water and uh, what's left is, is salt. Unfortunately, in, in that region of the world, um, it's like a moonscape around that, if you've ever been down that part of the world, it's just like a moonscape of a place and consequently there's a great deal of rock and that one of the principal minerals in that rock is magnesium sulphate. Uh, for you, you know, real brainy guys, it's MgSO4. It took me three hours to find that on the internet. Um, it's MgSO4, it's, uh, magnesium sulphate. Now, if you put magnesium sulphate in a bath and lay in it, you feel, you know, really relaxed and wobbly and jelly. 
because it, it absorbs and relaxes your muscles. But if you put it on your tongue, it's bitter. Now, you may not be aware of this. Um, I don't think you may or may not, but the tongue, the, the, the receptors on your tongue are divided into sweet and salty. So, sweet and bitter go together. Bitterness overrides saltiness. So, when you take the salt that, that, that has the imperfection of magnesium sulphate in it and you stick it on your tongue, what actually happens is the bitterness of the, of the magnesium sulphate totally overrides your taste of salt and we say that the salt has lost its saltiness. But, of course, scientifically... That's a nonsense statement for the simple reason that sodium is sodium chloride, so it's NaCl, um, and it's very, very stable. It's one positive ion, one negative ion, and you know they, those two guys they, they jive pretty well, and they hang together. So salt is very is very stable. It doesn't doesn't lose its uh, its characteristics, so to speak. Okay. You can dissolve it in water and then the water is salty. Right? You can freeze it in an ice block and you've got a salty ice block. It doesn't lose its flavour. What actually happens is the impurities in it override the salty flavour so what you've got in your mouth is lost its saltiness. We all okay? Have I lost you? No? Okay, that's all the chemistry there is for the whole day. So, no way, yeah, thank God for that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, when I was studying chemistry at university, I, I come up with a Bible verse for that, organ- for that inorganic chemistry class and that uh, was, um, <clears throat> such knowledge is too high for me, I cannot attain unto it. Um, so, I told my lecturer that he didn't buy it. So, I still had to sit the exam. <laughs> the lowest mark I got in my whole university career and uh, it's left me quite scarred. So talking about salt and sodium chloride here is really quite a challenge for me today. So that's how it's harvested and that's why that's the, the presence of the magnesium the sulphate and, and other, other minerals um, is why um, you know, if you get a contaminated batch of salt they wouldn't use it because it wasn't salty. And there's a reason for it and we find it in Job chapter 6 if you'd like to turn there with me. Job chapter 6, please. Job chapter 6. I'll get there in a minute. (coughs) Job chapter 6 and verse 6. This is what it says. Can that which is unsavoury be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? <laughs> it's kind of a quaint thing to say, that the white of an egg is horrible. Um, Rob and I had breakfast today at a place in Greensboro and they had, had, they had egg white um, uh, omelette. A white of the egg only omelette. The, the breakfast you're having when you're not having a breakfast, by the sounds of that to me. Um, I've spent a lot of time in northern Thailand and leading groups of doctors up there and, and uh, one thing or another and staying in the villages and in the villages um, you have for, for breakfast you have 
rice and vegetables, mostly rice. And for lunch you have <coughs> rice and vegetables, mostly rice. And for a little bit of variation at dinner, uh, you have rice and vegetables with white stuff that looks like meat that could be from any particular source that is nominally from chicken. Um, who knows? Don't ask any questions, um, you know, just eat it and, uh, and, and trust God that you don't uh, pass away. Uh, and the, the, after a few days of this, this rice becomes not only tasteless, it becomes appalling. And if you haven't got some salt to put on it, to give it some flavour, it's like get on a motorbike and go and buy a pizza in the nearest store, but the nearest stores are a very long way from those mountains, like about five hours. So actually you're stuck there. Um, it's been quite an experience to go there. If you want to lose a few kilos, and God knows I can afford to do that, um, you head off up to those mountains and you know, you're hot and you're sweaty and there's rice. And after a while it's like, I'll just wait till lunch and I'll get some delicious rice at lunchtime. That's the way that it works and uh, they're grateful for the fact that they have that. In Africa it's not rice, it's, it's, it's um, um, cornmeal. You know, and a, they have a name for this stuff and I've got a name for it too but it isn't polite. Um, they have a name for this stuff and they do that three times a day. That's their staple and it's tasteless. Without salt there wouldn't be any point to eating it um, if what you're after is flavour. Uh, but uh, it does help, of course, to sustain those communities. So, <coughs> food seasoning is one thing, but food preservative is another. And salt is a great preservative. And it was used, you know, Calvinator never came on the scene until well after the birth of Christ. So, you couldn't get a fridge in BC world. It wasn't available. That's actually a joke. You, you, can, you, you can actually, you know smile a little bit or nod or raise an eyebrow or do something to let me know that you're still actually in the room. This fellow's looking at his watch. Okay, that's a, that's a good indication to move on. Uh, okay, right home. So let's move on. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel, another book that I'm sure you've read twice throughout the week. Ezekiel and uh, chapter 16. The first time I read the book of Ezekiel, Pastor Dave, I got to that first chapter on that, that, that vision he had and I said, oh, where's Schofield's reference Bible? I'm going to try and get something out of this. <laughs> wow, that's uh, it's quite a book. Uh, looking forward to spending a bit of time with him in heaven. 16 and 4 says this, uh, as for thy nativity, in the day that thou was born, thy navel was not cut, uh, neither were you washed in water to supple thee, and you were not salted at all or swaddled at all. Now, in the Middle East, they have a long, long, long history of rubbing newborn babies all over with salt. <coughs> Part of that is about the antiseptic quality of salt. Didn't do my boil a lot of good, but it does babies a lot of good. 
to this day in the Bedouin communities um, in the Middle East, the Bedouin Arabs rub their babies with salt <clears throat> and if there's no salt available wherever they happen to be because they, they, are, they are nomadic peoples, if there's no salt wherever they happen to be, they catch urine from a camel because a camel's urine is very salty and the reason it's salty is because the camel rummages in the ground and ends up eating a lot of salt and as a result of the salt they take on a massive amount of water. You know about that, water and camels, right? Um, and uh, so their urine is very salty and they catch the urine and they bath the baby in camel's urine um, because they are so convinced of the value of salt for the neonate and protection against neonatal um, infection. Some bloke out there walking along the street wondering what we're doing. Should uh, get out there and get him in, Smithy, and see what he... (laughs) Okay, everybody okay so far? It's a bit gross, isn't it? Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 8 and we'll see something else about salt. 2 Samuel chapter 8. And uh, verse 13 tells us this. And David got him a name when he returned from smiting of the Syrians, listen, in the valley of salt, which was a, 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 about a six kilometre long a, a valley south of the Dead Sea uh, where David took on the Syrians. Now, some years later, one of the better kings uh, of... Um, of Israel was a fellow named Amaziah. Let's go and look at uh, 2 Kings 14 and verse 7. 2 Kings 14 and verse 7. And this is a, uh, this is a passage that's speaking about Amaziah's rule of Judah uh, and his war with none other, <coughs> none other than the Edomites. Then uh, verse uh, verse, um, 7 says this. This is Amaziah. He slew of Edom in the Valley of Salt 10,000. The Valley of Salt became legendary in the history of Israel in that that was the place of, of mighty crushing victories. David crushed the Syrians and Amaziah crushed the Edomites in this place. And it was all about salt. A little bit more than what you just sprinkle here. Why don't we actually get into this a little bit? We're only just, uh, this is an introduction. Ezekiel 43. Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel 43. We're back over there with that fellow again. And Verse 23, Ezekiel 43 and verse 23. Ezekiel's just right after the Gospel of Mark in your Bible, see if you're having trouble finding it. (laughs) Ezekiel 43. What's fun is to, uh, when you're running a Bible study, is to ask a new Christian to turn to to Hezekiah chapter (laughs) 4. And then watch on enjoy and finally in frustration they go to the front of the Bible and say, 
Pastor Neil, um, actually, Hezekiah is not in my Bible. Well, yeah, he is, but he just didn't write a book. <laughs> oh, it's fun. <coughs> I have a quirky sense of humour, those of you who don't know me. So Ezekiel 43 verse 23 says this, When you have made an end of cleansing it, you shall offer a young bullock without blemish and a ram of the flock without blemish and you shall offer them before the Lord and the priests shall cast salt upon them. This is the meat sacrifice. You go and you get yourself a bullock and you go to the, to the tabernacle and they take your bullock and they, and they slaughter the bullock as a sacrifice. They wash it and before they put it on the flame, which of course is representative of judgment, they smother it in salt for which there's a very good reason. Let's go back to Numbers 18 and verse 19 and uh, we'll see some of that reason. You guys all right? Not a whisper. <laughs> uh, Andrew, just lock that back door, would you, mate? I don't want people leaving. <laughs> Numbers 18 and verse 19 and this is what it says. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee and thy sons and thy daughters with thee by a statute, watch the next word, by a statute forever. Key word, hold that thought by a statute forever, it is a covenant of salt. A covenant of salt. See that? It's a covenant of salt forever. Unbreakable. Before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. Come with me now if you would to Second Chronicles 13 and verse 5. Second Chronicles 13 and verse 5. Told you we were going to run around the Bible today. Amen. You ask Pastor Dave or anybody else who preaches the sweetest sound in the world as God's people turn in the pages of the Holy Writ. It's a beautiful sound. Here in verse 5. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David, what? Forever. Forever. Even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt. It's a permanent thing. You see, Christ had to come through the lineage of David. That's why the devil attacked and attacked and attacked the line of Judah. That's why the devil went as hard as he could after disrupting the line of David because from the line of David and only from the line of David could come the Messiah King. Friends, I want to tell you this. There's a blood red line that started in Eden and it works its way through the, through human, unbroken through human history, a blood red line of sacrifice upon sacrifice 
upon sacrifices over and over and over until it reached the foot of the cross at Calvary and the blood of Christ dripped on that thing and stopped it dead in its tracks. There's never been a sacrifice since because the sacrifice of the Lamb of God is perfect. It brought an end to sacrifices. And God looked on His Son and He said, I'm totally satisfied. No more sacrifices. Now we, now we live in the sacrifice of praise. Amen? Our sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. And here we see the, 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 the prophecy of the great Mashiach Nagiv, the, 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 uh, the Messiah King. And we see the prophecy here and he's in the line of David and it's forever. Now if you want to see the fulfilment of that, you don't turn there, you want to see the fulfilment of that, go and study Hebrews chapter 1. You'll need about a month. But go and study Hebrews chapter 1 and in verse 8 it says, Under which of the angels did he say at any time, Thy throne, O God, Theos, no question about what he's talking about, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. It's the fulfilment of the prophecy here in Chronicles. It runs all the way from Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, God said to the serpent, you will bruise his heel, but he will put a mortal wound in your head and he did so at Calvary 2,000 years ago. The devil, my friend, is, 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 is a, an active enemy. He should be respected, but he's done for. He lost it at Calvary. Christ crushed his head at Calvary and it's done and it's over. The battle is won. The victory is ours. It's yours to live in that victory. Amen? We can live in the victory. You can say amen. You're allowed to say amen. Are you allowed to say amen in this church, Pastor? Okay, you're allowed to say amen. Come on, Hutch, let me hear you say amen. Amen! Oh, right, now that's an amen right there. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have done that. <clears throat> in Psalm 145 and verse 13, once again, in reference to the Messiah, we hear this prophecy, Thy kingdom is for a short time. Do you think that's what your Bible says? Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom that it has no end. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Messiah King, has no end. We happen to be living in that moment of time with that glorious expectation of the sound of the trumpet and the, and the dead in Christ rising first and Christ coming to claim what's rightfully his own and set up his kingdom on this wicked earth. Come with me if you will, please. Second Chronicles 13.5 has told us already, um, has told us already about the... Hello, Cobber, you want to have a crack up here, do you, son? That's all right, you got something to say? He's a good-looking bloke anyway. <laughs> Is he your kid, Pat? Yeah. Thank goodness he looks like his mother. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I finally got an amen out of you guys. Oh, dear. 
<clears throat> All right. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 30, please. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 24. Isaiah 30 and verse 24. Yeah, I know I'm loud and all that. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, Isaiah 30 and verse 24 is correct. And this is what it says. This is, sounds a bit out of place, but you'll understand. The oxen, likewise, and the young asses that ear the ground shall eat clean provender, which has been winnowed with the shovel and with the fan. Could a verse like that possibly have meaning to the context of this message? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you. It says they ear the ground. It's a very quaint Hebrew phrase. And those of you, anybody who grew up on a farm? Let me see. Oh, yeah, okay, good. So you know that a cow, the tongue of a cow is very rough. It's really, really rough. And if you see a cow give birth to a, a, a calf, then they start licking the calf. It's like with a big long tongue like this and this really rough tongue roughs up the thing and, and uh, it's a bit like us getting our babies and banging them one on the backside and uh, the calf starts to, to um, you know... Um, bellow and then stagger to its legs and then starts looking for breakfast. They're so unlike human babies who are pathetically helpless for a very long time. And then when they grow up and get married, you realise that sort of goes on into adult life a little bit. (laughs) I'm getting a dirty look from my preacher boy's son up here, so I better move on, otherwise you know what's going to happen when he gets the microphone. (laughs) Keep him away from up here, Dave, will you? All right. What this is referring to, people, is this, and it's and it's a trait. It's a trait that's used, uh, a practice that's used in farming today. I grew up on a farm, and my father used to buy blocks of salt, that long and that wide, and that great big, massive blocks of salt. And every paddock that we used for our milking cows, he put a block of salt, and they flock to it. They love it. And they flock to the salt and they, they lick the salt and what happens when you have something salty? What's the next thing you've got to do? Hey, you've got to have a drink. What do you think happens? The old cow, mate, he licks the salt and he heads over to the trough and he has a massive drink and then later on comes back and gives the salt thing another, uh, uh, another go uh, and then he goes and drinks some more and the more they drink, the more milk they produce pretty good idea same thing here we didn't invent it I thought we, I thought we Gippsland farmers invented it but um, already they were doing this you know a thousand years before Christ and they realised that salt was so important to their cattle that when the cattle licked the salt they made more milk and milk was an important um, element of diet uh, in the Middle East if you go to the Middle East today it still is they make good cheese <laughs> okay Come with me, if you will. The, the, the salt and the thirst thing will make sense in a moment. Come with me, if you will, please, as we get towards the end here. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul used that, he said, and finally, and then went on for five more chapters, you know. So we're going to sort of stop for an interval in a minute and then we'll come back and have the second half after that. Um, here we go. 
Mark 9.50, please. Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 50. Christ is speaking. He's speaking to his disciples. Okay? He's speaking to his disciples. The year is, you know, right around 1 AD. Very close to the time when Christ went to the cross. So he's speaking to a people to whom salt is a, is a well understood commodity far better than you would understand and I understand it today. And this is what he says, verse 50. He says to them, he's talking in the context um, of, of, of hell, of people dying and going to hell for lack of faith. And he turns to his disciples and he says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its, his saltness, Wherewith will you season it? It's lost its saltiness. You know why? Because of impurities. Magnesium sulphate and those other things we talk about. If the salt has lost its, its saltness, wherewith will you season it? And then he implores the disciples. This is what he tells them. Have salt in yourselves. Make saltiness a characteristic of who you are. Be salty, is what he's saying. Be salty. And look what follows. Have peace one with another. You know, there's a church in Tennessee, I'm not quite sure uh, which town, some years ago, and they were having a bit of an issue with some people being Calvinist and some people being not Calvinist and you know they were having some trouble making things come together and uh, pastor thought it would be a good idea to get a bit of fellowship going so they had a church picnic one of these fellows doesn't do much with his brain he stood up and took a chicken leg and he stood up and he said before the foundation of the world ever was God ordained that I would eat this chicken leg at 3.05 today and there was another bloke walking past who didn't believe that garbage and he snapped that chicken leg out of his hand and crunched into it and said not this time mate (laughs) (laughs) and the church split over a chicken leg and one half went down there and met and one half went there and met and that ought to make your heart cry to think how simply Satan can divide the people of God do you think there was light and salt in that church no there was people coming in and they were going to that side there's people coming in going to that side. Never the twain shall meet. For goodness sake, people. What's at stake here is the people all around us in Montmorency and Greensboro and Briar Hill and wherever else you need, want to mention. What's at stake here is these people 
are treading the broad road to destruction and, and, and we're fighting over something as dumb as that and we are sending a message to them, look at us, wouldn't you love to be part of this? Of course they wouldn't. That's not being salty. That's salt that's got imperfections and impurities in it. That's not, uh, that's not what, the, uh, what the people of God are supposed to present to the world. <clears throat> Let's just wrap it up by saying this. Let's go back where we started. And Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. You and me. You are the salt of the earth. He's made that possible by that death on the cross. He made that possible for us to be the salt of the earth. And the whole idea, we've only just barely touched the surface and the whole concept of salt. But I want to bring it down to this. You've been very patient. I want to bring it down to this one last thing. I'm going to give you a strategy. I'm going to put a challenge out to you. Before Christmas, I got some calendars printed for our church in Ballarat and I put a pen inside them and I put a hand grenade in there, which was a letter from me telling people, this is the greatest gift I've ever received. And the letter spelled out the gospel and called upon them to give their, to surrender their life to Christ and gave my, my phone number and one thing and another. Okay? And I went and handed these out to people. 75 people got one of them. And we're praying now that they'll pull the pin on that hand grenade. And it'll go boom as they read it uh, and they'll realise um, um, that they need faith in Christ. Here's what I challenge you to do. Pastor Dave will be alright with this, I know, because I know already his heart. And here it is. You go and get a, uh, you know, one of those little cards and you write five names on that card. Five names of people who left to their own devices are going to live their life and end up in the fires of hell suffering forever because they failed to, to surrender their life to Christ. God doesn't put them in hell. They choose to go there. That's their choice. I challenge you, go home, write down five names and say, Lord, let me be salt and light to those five people. God, give me at least one of those people to be sitting right there next to Kenzie this time next year. Amen? Let's have some baptisms in this church. Let's have some discipleship requirements in this church. Let's have some new believers here asking you dumb questions. I just pray that God will send some horrible people to this church. Broken, shattered people who have delved into sin, who have come into this church and have their life put back together because the message of Jesus Christ is life-saving. Amen? The message of Jesus Christ is restorative. And we as a church want to see our community impacted for Christ. If we don't want to see that, shut the doors and go home and go down the beach on Sunday morning. You've got no reason to be here. The reason we come to church is to be encouraged and is to be exhorted and is to be, um, uh, uh, to, to be taught so that you, not Pastor Dave, it's not his job, 
that you and I will go out into the community and do the work of the ministry. If you want to read about that, go to Ephesians chapter 4 and you'll see it plainly taught that the work of the ministry is your job. You say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Wake up. You don't need the gift of evangelism. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit and he expects you to be light and salt. I'm going to let Brother Dave come and close the service any way he wishes. But I want to tell you this. If your heart is not overwhelmed, if your heart is not overwhelmed by the sin that you see around you, by the prostitution and the drug addiction and all these people trying to bastardise marriage with a, with a, by changing it to being, doesn't matter who you marry, next thing you've got to marry your dog. This is crazy stuff, the world's gone nuts and we're just floating along like a cork in the stream. No, no people, we need to be salt and we need to be light and we need to stand for what's right. And the church needs to stand for what's right. And we need to be in the community what God calls you to be. And all you've got to do is surrender to Christ today. Be salt and be light and love God. And I want to come back next January and see people having to sit in those seats out there because there's not room in this church for someone to sit you think that's not possible? If God's people will obey God's command and live God's way, that's what will happen. But if we bicker and fight and carry on like morons amongst us ourselves, you don't enhance the work of God, you stand in the way of it. Which side of the fence will you stand? God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for the privilege to occupy this pulpit these two weeks. It's been a great honour for me.